You're listening to Pastola Endocrine Podcast with your host, Dr. Joel Stillman. Hello and welcome to the Pestola Podcast. In this episode, we'll discuss maturity onset diabetes of youth or MODI, which is a somewhat common form of which encompasses several different conditions of a monogenic form of diabetes. The disorder has various inheritance uh, methods and leads to diabetes, which can sometimes be confusing. Joining us on today's podcast is Dr. John Oden. Dr. Um, Oden is the head of division of endocrinology at Arkansas Children's Hospital. He's a pediatric endocrinologist. So I'd like to welcome Dr. Oden to our podcast today. Thank you very much for coming to, to visit with us. Sure. Hey, Joel. It's nice to be here. Nice to have you here too. So very excited. We're going to have um, different um, talks on diabetes. Uh, so we're mm-hmm. going to cover today um, Modi, uh, which yeah. is one of sometimes somewhat overlooked, but I think for many pediatric endocrinologists and certainly for others in the field of diabetes, uh, a condition that needs to be considered, particularly when you have a little bit more of an atypical presentation. Um, You know, most, again, Modi, you know, is going to be diagnosed typically before age 25. It's only about 2% of diabetes cases. And again, many times um, there's challenges in terms of, you know, misdiagnosis of either type 1 or type two, and that can present a challenge in terms of um, treatment um, choices and, and things like that. So uh, very much looking forward to you enlightening us about Modi and telling us a little bit about the diagnosis and, and a little bit about treatments. Yeah, I, I think it's a, it's a very important topic um, given COVID-19 as well as many of our centers mm. have been seeing more and more diabetes come through and be diagnosed. I mean, our, our um, our group has seen a, a rapid rise over the summer of diagnoses. And I think, you know, kind of keeping this mm. uh, idea of maturity onset diabetes of the youth in the back of your mind so that you kind of know what to look for is going to be critically important. Tell us, Dr. Oden, about the different forms of MODI, which are more common and what are the features of, of those particular forms of MODI? So the the types of MODI are really quite fascinating, Joel. The, the, the ones that we see most common are um, the HNF1-alpha mutation, which is a beta cell dysfunction causing glucosuria. These individuals are sensitive to sulfonylureas. Um, the second most common, which is around 15 to 20% of, our, of the MODI population, uh, the HNF1-alpha or MODI-3s are... Um, um, around 30 to 50% of that mm. population. So taken together, these two, in, these two types of MODI make up around eight, uh, 70% of your MODI diagnosis. The, the HNF1-alphas, of course, re, uh, respond uh, well to sulfonylureas. Uh, the glucokinase uh, mutations um, is basically a glucose sensing defect Mm-hmm. which tend to um, present with higher fasting blood sugars or random blood sugars. Um, but these individuals don't necessarily need any medications or diet or therapy. Mm-hmm. It's important for them to uh, be identified and diagnosed so that they know what they're dealing with every time they go see a doctor for an illness. Or they go to the emergency room with a high blood sugar. They don't need to be admitted for insulin initiation, of course. And so it's important right. to kind of um, counsel families and perhaps even get genetic counseling involved. 
um, to help them kind of um, create a pathway and a, and a way of uh, instructing doctors and, uh, that they see. Um, the next Absolutely. Book- the next so, one, and, oh, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say in that, in, in the, the glucokinase mutation, that's MODI2, correct? Correct, that's MODI2. Okay. And, you okay. know, it's, it's actually, um, when, in general, with an endocrinologist, or at least the endocrinologist that I have um, been uh, associated with, these diagnoses are actually kind of fun in clinic, especially if you're um, being referred a kiddo who has been recently diagnosed with diabetes, who did have kind of an unusual presentation, either, you know, not such a high A1C, uh, non-ketotic individual who was told they have type 1 diabetes. But when you get down to it, um, considering Modi, uh, the diagnosis of, of maturity onset diabetes of youth is actually a breath of fresh air to these families because they go from, you know, taking insulin injections to all of a sudden, hey, you're we can take care of you just by pill. Mm. Um, and it, it, you really do look um, like a hero to them. Um, Absolutely. I've, yes. had, I've had several of these pa- patients come in and one comes to mind individu- in particular. I, I just wanted to make mention because he was just kind of a fun kid. Um, he was diagnosed with type one and I, had, I was following him every three months and he would come every three months and his hemoglobin A1C values were you know, six, 6.5. He was well within range, very well controlled. But the thing was, I would ask him, hey, um, um, what, what did you have for breakfast? Or what have you been following your diet? And he would always tell me that he stops off at the 7-Eleven and gets a, gets a big Slurpee and, <laughs> and ice cream. And he would drink his Slurpee and ice cream. And he would show me the days with his blood sugars. That's the day I had my Slurpee and ice cream. Not even a change in blood sugar value. Not at all. And likewise, yeah, he was, he was a great kid. He was a lot of fun. So we ended up doing uh, Modi testing on him and he ended up having um, um, Modi three, I believe. And he ended up, we, we put him on uh, a sulfonylurea and he was fine. Then on the family absolutely loved me. He was, he was a lot of fun. That's great. And actually you've done a great service, not only to him, but maybe to others in his family or his children, since it's, Correct. you know, an autosomal dominant. Right. Um, so, I mean, and that's, that's definitely a win, and I agree with you. You know, um, if someone doesn't require insulin therapy, it definitely is a big, you know, from a, a patient safety standpoint, if we can, you know, switch to an alternative medication. Not that sulfonylureas aren't totally without hypoglycemia risk, but it's certainly better. Right. Um, any, before we move on and talk about confronting the challenges of diagno- diagnosing Modi, um, any pearls on the other rare forms of diabetes. So either MODI1 or MODI4. Well, so MODI1 is associated with macrosomia and neonatal hypoglycemia. And when I'm, you know, when I'm considering kids that we get called on from the NICU, you know, they have uh, kind of their larger kiddos and, you know, they have some low blood sugars. You always think of, you know, mom having gestational diabetes and that's what the cause of it is. But you should always consider um, as well in family, uh, uh, in families that have a lot of diabetes um, in their family tree to uh, run MODI testing on those kids, because it's possible that you could pick those kids up. MODI4, which is less than 1% of the, of the population of MODIs, is um, a little bit more of a severe form of, of MODI, especially in the homozygous form, because it, it will present with neonatal diabetes and the pancreatic agenesis. Mm. Um, 
But the spectrum of MODI 4s is quite wide, apparently, um, and therapy really depends upon it, their genetic makeup. I see. So walk us through a little bit about how you would approach a patient where you suspect that they may have a, a form of MODI rather than a typical either type 1 or type 2 situation. Right. <clears throat> so in the past, MODIs um, were always considered... Um, to be non-obese, that's of course not true. I wanted to bring that up before uh, you know. I may um, before I get too deep into the into the pathway. Um, it's important to understand that you know these kids can present as either type two or type one body habitus, and it, you shouldn't just throw away the possibility just based on on their weight. Um, but in general, what tends to happen is is you know you have a kiddo who comes back to see you after they were been newly diagnosed. They usually have um, higher, higher than normal blood sugars, higher than normal hemoglobin A1C values. So their diagnosis of, of diabetes is, is reasonable, um, but they don't really present with acidosis. They don't uh, present with ketosis. Um, the kids with MODI will present with negative beta cell antibodies. So your GAD antibodies are gonna be for the most part negative. Um, and they don't present with significant amounts of evidence of insulin resistance like acanthosis. So when you have a, a patient present with negative antibodies, mildly elevated blood sugars, mildly elevated hemoglobin A1Cs, and a strong family history of diabetes in the family, particularly mm -hmm. type 2 diabetes, but currently, um, um, as you and I both have experienced, we can have kids with type 1 diabetes who turn out to really be MODIs. Those are the kids that need um, the MODI uh, test screening, which is, which is commercially available. Hmm. Are there any particular things, because I, it, it strikes me that type two diabetes would be a challenge in terms of differentiating between MODI versus type two. Is there any particular things that you home in on when you're trying to determine who gets MODI testing uh, versus who doesn't? Um, yes. So in, um, if there is a family history that is really strong for diabetes, you know, usually about 70% of families with type two diabetes will have, um, a first or second degree relative, right? But in mm -hmm. kids with Modi, um, they usually present, um, with several family members, um, generations after generations after generations with diabetes. And, you know, you're not going to get very many families tell you that they have MODI, but they're, they are going to tell you that they have some form of diabetes. And that's really what I kind of focus in on. It's always easier, of course, if you have a kid that's relatively thin um, and has already had the requisite screening tests for type 1 diabetes, and that makes it much simpler. But in a, in a clinic that is um, devoted to type 2 diabetes, the family history is going to seem a little bit heavy with, with diabetes in the kids with Modi. I see. Well, let's shift gears. So, um, and we've talked a little bit about the diagnosis. Let's talk about treatment strategies. So sure. tell us a little bit about the treatment strategies that, that you use in your clinic uses when you're confronting a case of Modi. So usually, um, after we get our, the results of the uh, genetic screening back, we know if it's MODI 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 through 11, we have a good sense of what to begin with. And for the most part, it's going to be either a sulfonylurea or not. So 
uh, MODY 2s, of course, with the glucokinase mutations. Those are going to be kids that you probably want to, you know, counsel on some form of diet, though it's not necessarily recommended. Um, and then maybe follow some blood sugars just to reassure yourselves that um, that is that is what you're actually seeing. There are, of course, um, possibilities that these kids will have higher than normal blood sugars. There have been some reports of fasting blood sugars in the 140s to 150s in kids with MODY2. But in general, those kids don't tend to progress. So, so long as you're keeping a good eye on them, um, that's about as good as you're going to do unless they do actually progress, which is when sometimes insulin is, is required. Mm -hmm. Now, the MODY1 and 3 will require um, sulfonylureas. Um, and I usually use things like Amaryl. Um, and uh, begin them on a relatively low dose, watching blood sugars and, and titrating to an appropriate level. Um, there have been some doctors who have advocated for the use of metformin. Um, and then, of course, mm -hmm. in the progressive forms of MODI, um, there is this idea that they will eventually require, um, as MODI is a defect in um, insulin production and secretion, um, there is this idea that eventually these, these individuals will require uh, insulin. Hmm. One thing that I'm curious about too, so one of the challenges that I find, and I'm, I'm interested in your experience as well, is that when I have um, diagnosed someone with MODI or say someone who doesn't require insulin, let's say, again, a type 2 for an example, there seems to be a, a different level of, if you will, concern on the part of the family, or perhaps even, you know, engaging with their diabetes diagnosis. And, and so um, oftentimes I find it's harder to get follow-ups. It's harder to mm -hmm. get the same buy-in. So what types of strategies would you suggest in situations such as that to try to make sure that the families understand that this is a condition that requires attention and is chronic? Well, that's a great question. I actually have not had that experience, to be honest with you. The, that's I, great. I, I'm glad. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I kind of feel, oh, wow. Well, no, I think, I think that's, a, that's a really good question because, you know, in some of these kids, there is that idea like glucokinase receptor mutations. I mean, I'm sorry, glucokinase receptors, um, MOD2s, you know, do they need to see an endocrinologist very often? And the answer to that in my mind is no. I mean, you need to see them probably once a year, once every six months, um, just mm -hmm. for kind of watching what, how they're doing, making sure they're gaining weight and such. And the kids that I have followed with uh, MODY2 have been very good about following up. Um, the others are relatively um, low in prevalence. So, you know, in our program, we diagnose somewhere around 200 kids per year. So maybe four per year is what we're looking at for the MODIs. And they tend to follow back up with us. Um, and I think that's part of, uh, to answer your question, Joel, I think it's part of the education process is to make sure that they understand that, you know, that they are responsible for coming to clinic. Very good. Well, um, this has been very, very enlightening. Um, before we finish up, are there any other um, things that you'd like to, to say about MODI or, or diabetes care in general? Um, I, you know, just to emphasize the idea that the, the incidence of diabetes is increasing. I think we've been seeing that nationwide. And um, as education for myself, I need to kind of put myself on the, on the board to say, 
we need to be following uh, and, and considering Modi in just about every kid that we see. Um, it's a relatively easy diagnosis to rule out. You know, if the kid comes in with um, diabetic ketoacidosis, DKA, then more than likely that's not a Modi kid. But in those kids that come in with relatively mildly elevated blood sugars and you know, no ketones, and they seem to be doing pretty well with a strong family history. And maybe if you're, if you're measuring C-peptide values, if their C-peptide value is high, um, those are the kids that really need to be followed and, and um, worked up for Modi. Okay. Well, thank you very much. I, I really appreciate you joining us and, and sharing your knowledge and your insights. I want to thank those that are listening today, and I hope you'll enjoy us for upcoming podcast episodes. Uh, you can uh, find us, uh, find podcast information on our website at pestola.org or follow us on social media. Thank you, everyone, again. You're listening to Pestola Endocrine Podcast. Pestola, pediatric endocrinologist of Texas, Oklahoma, Louisiana, and Arkansas. For more information about Pestola, please visit pistola.org.